right, KISS Army. Welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. We hope that you enjoy. 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 Welcome to episode 389 of the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill, and we're back one more time this year. Get one more episode in, uh, because why not? It's always good to get together with friends and talk KISS. So uh, we're just going to do some topics from the board today. But before we do so, just a reminder that uh, KISS is on Axis TV on New Year's Eve, uh, starting at 8, 7 central for a uh, broadcast of Kiss Rocks Vegas. So if you haven't seen it uh, and you've got that channel on your cable package, then you'll be able to watch that there. Foo Fighters have a show from Madison Square Garden from the middle of this year streaming uh, for a short period for the uh, for the for the new year's thing as well which is kind of cool um other news bruce kulik is performing tonight um so that's gonna form my first question for you uh when we get to that in a minute but for now uh anyone got any recent additions to their collections be it kiss or not kiss yes i i did uh this week two different items um one of them is the um guitar player magazine Mm. um that kind of you know celebrates the 45th anniversary of of uh destroyer and uh yeah it's okay i mean it's it's like nothing new that we don't already know you know yeah (laughs) because we pretty much know everything any Uh, photos but not bad but there's photos um yeah i think i saw that a lot of it is you know kind of uh from packaging and book of the uh, Destroyer 45 package. Um, yeah, that's one page. There's some stuff with uh, interview with uh, Ace. This is, this, I don't know if I've seen this one before actually, but this, you know, this this deal here. But uh, yeah, it's it's all right. It's not bad. It's just something. Was it like 10 bucks? Uh, well, it's it's. No, it costs like double that. It was, I don't want to say it was like 20. I think normally it's like that, but I got it from, uh, I ordered it online and it cost me a little bit more. So, um, and so that's okay. That's one thing. Um, then the other one, which, t- which was shipped from Germany on the 10th of December, finally made it this week, um, was the, Kiss Destroyer, Very 45th nice. anniversary. This is Excellent. the, uh, yeah, with the logo. Um, the different lo- EMIR era logo. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, EMIR. Uh, yeah, I do have a EMI one from yeah, so do I. original one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But they did some other nice things. And this is the colored vinyl. Um, they did some other nice things, like in the booklet even. Oh, here's the here's on the sleeves. Yep. All right. right. No, they went See? to town on and uh, and the uh, Kiss Army logo. Very so, cool. Um, did nice on that, and I noticed the yellow. Is it the yellow or the other one? That's it's, it's more like a orange. It's more like an orange, and it's it's like a, a swirl orange. Let's see. Um, well, this is the this is the yellow yellow one, and again it has the uh, oh get that right. Nice. You can only just see that, so that's nice. 
Yeah. Let me get that swirl one. I guess the orange one is. Yeah, I saw someone else's, and they kind of described it as an orangey marble. You know, it almost yeah. looks like uh, inside of a pink grapefruit. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a very good. Uh... Or Malton Sun Corona colored. Yeah. Here's the other, here's the other one here. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, I like that label. Looks like extrusion stretches, you know, that the uh, mm. press isn't quite hot enough, so it doesn't mm. just squish the yeah. Uh, yeah. puck. <clears throat> it kind of stretches it out. So, I'm sure so and they changed a couple things on the booklet too, you know. So I'm not gonna pull the booklet out too, but uh, yeah, I think I haven't opened. I have the the colored version of the U.S. version. I haven't seen the color of that. I think it's probably more reddish, right? Um, it looked like it was supposed to be more red, but um, I haven't. It's it's actually re- you know, still sealed, so you know I may check it later and uh, see what the difference is, and then check the run out grooves and all that good stuff, right, Mark? Yeah. Got to yep. see the differences out there. See if there's anything different in the master. See know. if they use the same metal parts or not. What yeah. about you, Mark? Have you added anything into your collection, or did you get any Christmas presents? Um, I didn't get anything, uh, well, actually I did get something, uh, if you give me one second, I can go and grab it, actually. Go grab it. Go okay, grab hang it. on. Yeah, I think the only other thing non-kiss that I got was that, you know, I think I posted out that I got that Metallica, um, black album that, you know, box set, um, uh, man, a lot of stuff in there. To go That's through. what, 14 CDs or something? Something like that, and, and CDs, DVDs, and vinyl. You've got the, um, the full set of rough demos, I think, for, for that album yeah. in there. And <clears throat> then you've got work tapes and ri- the Riffs tape as well. Oh, yeah, riffs, yeah there's a Riffs CD. And yeah. then there's, a, a, I think, a ton of live shows. Again, they've been very good on yeah. really bulking out their packages with a good selection of different uh, kind of venues, audiences, yeah, and locations for them. Yeah, I think one was All right. uh, at the Oakland, you know, Coliseum. So anyway, yeah, they got a lot of DVD stuff in that. I wanted so, to thank you, Ken, for your first contribute. You were the first contributor to Volume Two of the Aerosmith book with images. Oh right, your, uh, with your concert stubs. Uh, You're you welcome. Beat, you even beat my sister. She went to a permanent vacation oh, really? show in Binghamton, um, which I, I can't remember why I didn't go. So uh, that's hmm. cool. Mark, what did you get recently? So this was given to me by my mother, which really shocked me because usually when you get presents from your mom, it's usually like socks or something like that for Christmas. Or, and uh, that she got me this really surprised me. But it also shows that throughout the years, she's been actually listening to what I like and it's registering. So she got me this bad boy. Oh, oh, oh Mick Rock. Awesome. Yeah, it's that picture book and it's, just amazing some of these photos in here like nice it's totally just it's pretty much just a photo book with some text stuff in there but it's Mm. a really really cool like if you're into this era of bowie which is 72 73 then uh you'll you'll really dig this book and i was i was surprised that she got it because it's not cheap i mean i saw it before in the bookstores and when i opened it and saw that 
she had gotten it for me, I was like, what the hell? Like, that's incredible, <laughs> you know? So, but yeah, that, that's, that's what she got me for Christmas. And believe me, I was like opening it up, looking at it, going through all the photos just constantly throughout the last couple of days. And I, I really, really enjoyed it. I mean, you know me, I'm a Bowie guy, mainly because yeah. of Mick Ronson initially, but then I've gotten into his whole career as, you know, things have, you know, developed, right? So, yeah, I really, really like it. And uh, if you like that era, like I said, 72, 73, it's, it's just amazing, amazing photographs. Great, great era for Bowie. Yeah. With, with and Ronson for that matter so yeah really, really cool stuff coming out of that you know which kind of is related to kiss tangentially at least so yeah. um what else do we have going on well Bruce Kulik as I mentioned is playing tonight at Vamps mm -hmm. in uh, Las Vegas so the question I, I wanted you both to answer was you get to pick one song for Bruce to put in his set. Now, he and his band have been absolutely fantastic at picking good songs to go in there. So, uh, Mark, you were talking. Let's go straight back to you. You've had plenty of time to think about it. Yeah, and I mean, right away, the first song that comes into my mind is the one of my favorite Kiss songs of all time with uh, the, in, in the Bruce era, which is King of the Mountain. I mean, I think to me, that's one song that I've always loved from that era. It's the opening track of my favorite non-Kiss makeup album, and, you know, uh, it's such a great example of what Eric Carr brought to the band, too. I mean, besides Bruce. And I mean, Bruce also does a great solo in that song. I remember the opening uh, opening 10 minutes of his instructional guitar video. The first guitar solo he goes through on that videotape is for King of the Mountain. So I remember when I was looking at that video and going through it, I actually, you know, sat down and learned it because, he, you know, it was he was going through licks like that from that album. So... I really like that album, and I think that that's a classic song, in my opinion. Just as to me, and this might be controversial, but to me, this song is as much a classic to me, to me, as something like "Shouted Out Loud" is, in my opinion. Well, we're totally entitled to your opinion. Good pick, by the way. I thoroughly agree, but it wasn't yeah, my pick. Ken, what would you choose? Yeah. Um, well, my is a song that probably people doesn't oh a song that doesn't really get any love <laughs> I, though i i like it um but it was uh bruce's first appearance um uh on with kiss which was lonely is the hunter um i think it would be actually pretty good live you know how songs would become better alive yeah. i think it would be and because it has that middle section you know that riffing section they do in the middle of it and then and then his but this solo is just a great like soaring solo um so i'd love to hear that one live i i know they've never done it live but i, I would love to hear that one it would be a, actually a surprise you know how you hear songs that they pull out these songs you like yeah, you don't risk for it, but then when you hear it live, it's like, oh, yeah, this is pretty, you know, pretty darn good. So that's what I would expect from it. Um, and I've, I've always liked it. I know a lot of people, you know, don't care for it, but that's one of the ones I do like uh, of Gene's songs off of, this, you know, Animal Eyes. 
Good picks. Uh, that's a super deep cut as well. So that that would be really Very cool. Deep. That would be really <laughs> cool to hear, and um, the geeks in the audience, I'm sure, would respect, and they would all have that little factoid on as well. Bruce is first. Um, I couldn't decide. I've got two, and I can't split them, and neither mm. of them a kiss. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Number one pick would be Pick Me Up, which Bruce co-wrote with Rosetta on one of the albums he did a, a session with in, I think, 1980 for that one. And uh, she was a singer out of the Pat Benatar mold uh-huh. and with a, re- a really super high-octane, powerful voice. Uh, also probably out of the, uh, who was the girl who sang in uh, Meatloaf's band, uh, Carla DeVito. Oh, yeah. um, yeah. You know, out, out of that that school okay. of yeah. hard yeah. rock chick singer, Brannigan as well, for that matter. Um, really up-tempo song. Um, but also the attitude of the lyrics and, and a lot of great playing because he wasn't playing super like rock at that time. If you listen to that first Blackjack album and even the second one, they, they straddle, uh, you know, adult oriented or, you know, a little bit more commercially acceptable or accessible. Uh, mm-hmm. sound so mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't mind him going back to the earliest parts of his career and then I couldn't decide something from BK3 yeah, and to be out. kiss related ain't gonna die mm. you know even fate yeah. would be great you know yeah, that yeah. first five songs on that album are spectacular that they're <laughs> really well done and I was just listening to that today and I'm like we're coming up to 12 years since that was released. And that is super depressing. <laughs> Not that he hasn't given us a ton of music in the interim with the mm-hmm. various projects that he's worked on and the cruises and all that. But just the amount of work. Do you remember the vlog he was doing, the, like the blog of mm-hmm. all his studio activity? And there'd be like six months and yeah. there'd be nothing. And, you know. Um, it was a really fun time to follow what he was up to creatively and also to have the Gene Simmons connection with that song. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd like to hear it done within a Kiss set just to give it a little bit sure. more context and see how it fits in with the rest of the Kiss material. So that that could be really fun or it could be really dumb. And if not, I'll, I'll go with Mark's. Or yours. Both of those are really good picks as well. So. They're all good. Yeah. So I, I did say that we're going to get into some more topics, but, you know, it's the 30th today. That means it's the 39th anniversary of the start of the Creatures Tour. Mm. Isn't, all right. isn't that incredible? <laughs> yeah. 39 years. <clears throat> wow. So just, just food for thought. Um, either of you have a topic you want to get us started with today instead of me starting? Sure. I'll start with one. Yeah, go for it. Okay, well, this one kind of uh, caught my attention when I was able to get on the board, of course. <laughs> uh, but um, once I did get on there and I opened it up, uh, yeah, I, I kind of piqued my attention, which is there will be at least four more off the soundboards. And I was like, oh, okay. So I thought at first I was, you know, maybe foolishly thinking that this was some sort of official announcement that was just being posted on there. But, of course, it wasn't. It was, you know, it says according to someone who has connections with the band on Facebook. So God knows who that could be. <clears throat> All right. But, you know, I'll be honest. I really enjoyed the off the soundboard. I bought it on vinyl. I got that, you know, the weird vinyl, the color variation one there. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought they did a good job with it. I mean, sure, it's very plain Jane packaging and stuff like that. But 
the sound of it was what I was really happy about because I'll be honest, I've bought a couple of like bootleg records throughout the years from our German friend there who sells those a lot of times online. And uh, I bought one that's called Kiss Hydraulic. That was really good. It's like a 77 uh, issue of uh, uh, the Love Gun Tour that they did. I think it's a 77 show from San Francisco. It's really good. Red vinyl, all kinds of guitar picks and stuff like that. And I was like, wow, it's a great package. It sounds good. And then I also bought Living the Life, which is the early, early, like 74 uh, issue. And it came on this orange vinyl and it sounds like somebody recorded them underwater. It sounds horrendous. It's like the worst sounding thing I've ever heard. And it totally, (laughs) totally made me no longer pursue any more bootleg recordings because I find a lot of times what happens is you'll get these great packages out there, like the something from Unmasked from Australia, posters, programs, and all this stuff in there. And then you put on the vinyl and it sounds like absolute bunk. It's like somebody's like recording a con- concrete mixer instead of a band. You know, it's, that's what it sounds like. It sounds horrendous. So I'm very happy that they have good soundboard recordings like this. I'm hoping that there's more good quality stuff like this available to get down the line. I'm very sure KISS won't release something that's that horrendous, you know, like the stuff I spoke about earlier. But, you know, I I really hope that this is actually true, that there will be. I'm doubting there's going to be four more next year, but even if there's one or two, I'm hoping it's, you know, another good quality one. And from an era that's, you know, kind of unexpected. I mean, the 2001, I think, was the last thing people were expecting to hear for a recording. I think everybody kind of suspects that you're going to get something classic, like 76 or 77 or something like that, right? So I would like to hear something like a good soundboard from, let's say, 84 or 82 or something, you know, like that would be an interesting next kind of step to, you know, take for them as far as the soundboard stuff. And I'm guessing that there are Good soundboard stuff. I think I remember hearing somebody posting or reading somebody that posted that there was some decent soundboards from the Animalize era. I think I'm not too sure. I'm not a good expert on these things, but mm. uh, maybe you guys might know better if there's good quality stuff floating around from that era or not. Nashville '84. No, wait. That that mm. would be that would be uh, lick it up. Sorry, Albuquerque '84. Lick it up. Mm. Um, you know, I, I can only think of Lick It Up having a, a bunch of soundboards off the top of my head. Uh, I know there's Detroit, clearly, from, um, what's it called? From Animalize, mm. because we've got the video. Oh, and yeah. that, that is tied down with rights, I think, so there's no likelihood of that getting reissued anytime soon. So if there is, that mm. was also, I think, broadcast. Um, so that could circumvent the limitations of the, the video audio and and get that out that would you know again it's another tour so who knows ken what what would you want if if you were to you know get to pick one or uh we'll come back to which one do you definitely not want to be released um Uh, really be a turn off for you so (laughs) well uh yeah i saw that thread um yeah, I guess someone in the know knows there's a, well, at least four. Someone supposedly in the know knows there's going to be at least four plans. So someone I saw who knows that. a car wash guy, huh? Someone in yeah, the know. Someone's yeah. sister's mother's brother's We'll see. Brother's it all cousins. depends on how the next, you know, how they sell. <laughs> you know, it all depends on how they sell, you know. 
Um, but I wouldn't touch I wouldn't touch you know a live two error because I'm hoping for an a live two kind of box you know <laughs> set kind of thing. Um, but yeah, uh, eighty three. If they if there is something creatures uh, or a look it up. Um, I wonder if they recorded that you know they actually did record the soundboard of of the you know like the stone where when I went you know saw them in the club if they I know there's a recording an audience recording which I you know heard uh, but it would be nice if there was something like that something of that era I I would like you know creatures to lick it up a nice soundboard from from that um, and then you know something maybe with uh, around uh, hot in the shade. You know that that too. So those would be the main ones. What would be? Uh, did you say your turn off? Well, <laughs> I you know I really don't want a like a reunion one. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I would have there have that original lineup and old you know from the seventies. Again, not the, the live two, um, but something else in the seventies um, would be fine. Um, early 70s um, you know 75 74 you know something back then uh, would be really cool I know there's not that many songs in the set list but if they switched out any songs maybe they, they could put a couple different you know or two shows in one package <clears throat> one disc this one disc dude, that yeah. Dude, yeah they could do two shows it, you know anything like that um, so yeah that, that would work. Because most of your 70 shows were contractually uh, 75 minutes, so that'll fit on a CD. Mm-hmm. Perfect, yeah. So especially if you take out some of the lengthier raps. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, we don't need to hopefully not too much have the full raps done. on everything. No. Yeah, Mark, coming back to you for what you definitely would not want, what would be the biggest turnoff? Well, like I said, I'm a, I'm a big uh hater of audience recordings to me that they've just left bad taste in my mouth uh, and i find that a lot of this uh middle era stuff like i find like a lot of the uh the unmasked stuff and a lot of the dynasty stuff that i've run across online is just like terrible resounding some of these ones like I mean, and, I, and the thing that kills me is that you read these little posts on there saying this is one of my favorite recordings. It sounds fantastic. Uh, it might be an audience recording, but it's almost as good as a soundboard. And I put it on, and it's like, what the hell is this? It sounds like like somebody's like drilling into my ears with the with this audio. It's like, I don't understand why people just can't come out and say, listen, this sounds like crap, you know. But yeah. historically, it might be interesting to listen to for the following reasons. But you know, I think that the unfortunate thing, Ken, is that. From what I've read, the uh, reunion tour is probably one of the most recorded tours that they've ever yeah. done, and probably they probably have as uh, like excellent quality recordings from that tour, probably in a, in abundance. I wouldn't be surprised if that's maybe one of the next ones, or maybe even like you know a Psycho Circus tour or something like that. But you know, I, I agree though. I would love to hear some of the early early stuff because I mean I remember seeing online. Uh, some stuff from like the from the Agora or something like that, and sometimes those recordings mm-hmm. seem to be good because they're sometimes radio simulcasts, right? So and those ones 
while they're not like like pristine studios quality, but these these FM broadcasts are pretty good. I have a, I have a whole ton of really excellent Yes FM broadcasts, mm-hmm. so I think the Kiss ones would be just as good. I would I would think. Yeah, there's there's a I have a Nashville one mm. broadcast that was put out on CD back in the the 80s that I have of Kiss. Um, but going back to the reunion, um, I would rather they save the reunion stuff for for video, you know, Blu-ray, for DVD, a, blue, for a box, for a box reunion, like the yeah. best the best uh, performances from the reunion. Uh, you know, from yeah, different I, well, band, cities. band member picks. You know, because find out which is Peter's favorite show from the reunion. You know, it, Eddie Kahn, Eddie Cannon. No, um, <laughs> fi- find out Ace's yeah, favorite, favorite show from the reunion. Find <laughs> out Gene and Paul's and Doc's. You know, and, and just a quick note: yeah. this was my favorite show because you know whatever you know and, and just put that in there and then the video as ken said you know so i save the reunion for a reunion box um just because you know it's not really been done and it's i think it's another op- opportunity to oh, do yeah. a pretty cool deluxe with uh, mm. that amount of material um sure you know and, and just the ease of doing it and documenting the rehearsals and the uh mm-hmm. You know, there, there's a lot of ephemera from that period. You know, I've got stacks oh, yeah. of it. You know, the rehearsal stuff, the daily itineraries from Van Nuys um, is just really cool. I've even got parts of costumes, uh, very small parts or, or part they could of the call stage. It, they could, they could call it the complete, with a K, the complete reunion tapes, something like that, you know. and, and really, $8,000. $8,000, exactly. <laughs> or, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Paul Stanley insists that you come to his house to pick it up and buy <laughs> yeah. a brick or a square of carpet while you're uh, at it. Yeah, <laughs> carpet with it <laughs> and drapes. Carpet. That's good. <laughs> All right. So, so my pick for off the soundboard, if it continues, um, I would really like them to to do the complete shows of some of the stuff that we've had live cuts from in the past. So we, we've had a live cut from. Um, Animalize era used as a B-side in Europe. I was having it on Fire Live. Mm-hmm. Um, so that complete show, uh, which we've already talked about, uh, it was Kobo. Um, there was, of course, the European Psycho Circus bonus live CD oh, yeah. that yeah. had, uh, I think, Indianapolis. I don't remember the other cities that were recorded for it. But uh, any of those would be good candidates for a full release, in, in my opinion. Uh, the Australian show that has been used for live stuff on both the box set and on the blockbuster greeting dvd or cd pardon me uh is garbage it's tinny it's absolutely Mm. uh unpalatable the auckland soundboard is much more appealing for unmasked and again just like the most recent off the soundboard it's a quirky lineup so that would be interesting and it's it's also a you know, a, a good set list. It's got just like the recent one. It's got talk to me, uh, except Ace is quite a bit younger, and you've got Eric Carr instead of Eric Singer. Yeah. And a couple of other tracks from Unmasked, and that would also be an honorific towards uh, another area of the world. We always talk about Australia, Australia, Australia. Well, New Zealand was part of that tour as well, so mm-hmm. it'd be nice to throw them a bone. And then you know, yeah. some European stuff for for that matter. There are ninety two. 
UK tour. Yeah, right. right. Would be great. You know, mm-hmm. you you said the club tour. I say the the uh, the the proper arena tour of uh, England and Wales and I think Scotland as well for that matter. Yeah. Um, so any of those would be really cool. What would be a turnoff for me? I really don't know. I think anything after 2008 is probably a cutoff for me of any mm-hmm. interest. Um, there there were some you know live recordings done for 2008. And they were garbage. Uh, well, they were MP3s. Number one, uh, number two, the the band was just you know not as good as it had been in the past. So I'd like to stay away from that era as much as possible because we've got Kiss Rocks Vegas representing 2014, mm-hmm. um, and I can't remember what else we've we've had. So you know, th- there's lots of options before even talking about the 70s. And, and the 70s, because I do hope there are other deluxes, you know, I'd like to think that those would be kind of candidates for inclusion in those, especially on some of the albums that have less outtakes or, you know, interesting stuff to, to buttress them. They can bulk them out with different live recordings. So who knows? You know, time will tell on both sides of those. So, we, well, you know, the, the, the other thing that you said, we have since, uh, since 2009 or, or whatever um um there's the dubai uh, the unreleased <laughs> which we can't watch video we can, no we can't actually watch that because the website's disappeared so even though they, oh, prom- I, they promised us all these reviewings up through uh the end of the year they broke that promise as well i sent them and just as, as a note uh i hadn't sent anything in a while but i sent them an email today so <laughs> i'm gonna see if I get it. I don't expect a response from them, but I sent them an email. Um, I think the last time I did was in October, um, and around late October they they were responding at that time. But I don't know about if they're going to respond anymore. Yeah, it's it's depressing. So that's a good topic, Ken. How about you? Do you do you have uh, something from the board? Have you been able to access it while we've been talking? <laughs> Yeah, I can access it. Uh, well, okay. Well, there's this one uh, about uh, the the pick four, which is uh, if you had to choose four Kiss albums, just four Kiss albums for the you know Desert Island, you know the Desert Island, you know uh, picks. Um, what which four would you pick to take with you? All right, Assuming rapid fire. We're going to be stranded on this island forever. Mm-hmm. Rapid fire. <laughs> who goes? Who do you want to go first? Uh, okay, you, Julian. Oh, thanks a lot. Uh, we'll keep with you because I don't want right. to give you any time. The the least ta- amount of time to think about that. I'm going to go with Asylum because it's special to of me. Course. I'll go with Alive because it's definitive, covering the best of those first three albums. Um, I will go with Double Platinum. Because, again, it was my early introduction to it. And then I need something from later period. So, um, I guess I can't say the Kiss Box set. Because that's... No. And actually, they're saying... Or, well, or Gene's yeah, We'll let you get by by the one that says... Because he's saying only official Kiss... Official Kiss releases only... This is double albums and double vinyls count as two. But that's all right. I'll let it, I'll let double platinum count as one. Oh, okay. Well, if it's it's okay. It's, well, MTV unplugged for my fourth. 
MTV. No, that's a good one. Yeah. Now, if you say CD, it's one. But if you say it's vinyl, it's two. Anyway, yeah. okay. <laughs> well, well, but that's, would, well that's a good one, though. That's yeah. a good pick, though. I like the pick. I, I I'm not worried about double albums or whatever. Um, so so that yeah, those are those are good picks. Uh, Mark, what do, what do you think you take? What I would take, I I think, I think I kind of look at it the same way, kind of like Julian does, because Asylum for me is a very personal record. It's one of my favorite records of all time. It was one of those records that I gravitated to very early, and. I spent I spun it a lot going to band rehearsal, so Asylum for sure is one for sure. Uh, of the original albums that came out at the beginning, uh, I, I love those three records, but I have to say that lately I've been really listening a lot to Drastic Hill, so I'd have to probably oh. say that that's one to take with me as hmm. well. It's not the longest record, so I'll probably have to spin it quite a few times, uh, but I would still be happy to take that one. Uh, Rock and Roll Over for me is my favorite Kiss record, period. So that has to come with me. And I'm telling you, when I went to Portugal, I know you guys heard this story before, but when I went to Portugal to play with my band in the Azores, there was a house we stayed in, and they only had two records that were like somewhat known American stuff, which was Deep Purple Live in Japan, made in Japan, and uh, Kiss Rock Mm -hmm. and Roll Over. were the only two records. The rest of it was all Portuguese stuff. And (laughs) I listened to Rock and Roll Over every day about seven, eight times in that house. Just spun it and spun it and spun it wow. all the time because it was either that or, you know, made in Japan. And we play that too. But I listened to that album so much and I'm still to this day not sick of that record. I, I, I love it. That's how much it's, you know, a, a classic in my opinion. So that's three. And the fourth one I think that I would pick uh, mainly because I would like to as well maybe take something that's more up to date or maybe a little bit more current uh, i would probably take sonic boom with me because mm. while i don't think it's the greatest record they've done uh, i do remember the kind of initial build-up and the hype towards it i remember seeing those little recording videos when they did they posted them you know in the studio showing them recording and eric saying yeah i think that was a good take for me on the drums and you know i was i like those kind of videos i was always kind of getting hyped up when i saw those and then i remember uh the podcast did this big uh, release day episode that they did live when the record came out, and so there was a lot of a build up and memory from that record. So I think I would probably take that one as my fourth. That was a fun time. I still got all those videos as well as the Roadrunner <laughs> stuff that they did in Europe. Uh, little uh, FLVs, what the hell were those? Uh, flash mm. videos. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I converted them into MPEGs, which is pointless, but uh, there you go. All right, Ken. So what would you take with you? Yeah, that's very difficult, but kind of like you guys, you kind of have yeah, that special album that kind of started you off um, or that you got first. Um, and for me, I, I would I would bring a live two, definitely bring a live two. Um, I would bring double platinum so I could get the the early stuff, you know, a mixture of the, the early songs from the first album through up to love gun so that and then two other albums is going to be difficult uh one of them i think i'm gonna pick oh boy this is really difficult um someone's gonna pick creatures well <laughs> well here here i don't know I, i'm not gonna pick uh, um i was gonna pick i'm gonna pick the elder 
The Elder. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to pick The Elder. And for my, my last one, I'm going to pick uh, Kiss uh, Chikara. <clears throat> that, There's a nod pick. That was a greatest hits kind of CD. Because it has, again, 80s. A, 80s stuff. It has the 80s. It has the long version of uh, I Was Made for Loving You on there. And then it has the other stuff that came after. Um, I have to look it up now. What what songs are on there? I think I, I have love, it. Up I love here. it louds there, so you're covered at least for one. For Wait features. a minute. Uh, where is it? He refers to the vault, the CD vault. Yeah, I could probably find it. Look it up on the computer. Yeah, I don't have it up here. Mm. Might as well look it up because I don't think I have it. All right, so let's see if Wikipedia is accurate. So, Rock and Roll All Night, Detroit Rock City, Love Gun, I Was Made for Loving You, Remix, Creatures of the Night, I Love It Loud, War Machine, Lick It Up, All Hell's Breaking Loose, Heaven's on Fire. What did I say? All Hell's Breaking Loose. Loose. Heaven's on Fire, Thrills in the Night, Who Wants to Be Lonely All Night, and Tears Are Falling. So, essentially, the singles. All the way up through Asylum. Yep. Right? Yeah. And all the things. So it had it has three creature songs on there. Right? So, and uh, two, what, two Look It Up songs? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and it does not have any uh, of the Elder. So that's why I'm picking the Elder, see? <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's, you know, I don't know. I mean, yeah, my, I could change that list tomorrow. But, yeah, for now, that's. That would be my list of four. Yeah, I mean, it, cool. it's tough because, I mean, you could it cheat is. and say, I'll take the Alive box set. I'll take Destroyer. Oh, yeah, five, that, then you really cheat. Yeah. You know, and, uh, the Kiss box set and Gene Simmons Vault. Those are my four releases. Need a, <laughs> need a big island to go like, at. Nice. <laughs> All right. So I, I've got topics already set up here. And Good. this one I, I thought was really interesting. Do you own any of the White Tiger records? And what did you think of White Tiger? There have been a couple posts this week on the board. Not only this question, uh, and this was by Kissiatic Entity, um, but also an an interview excerpt from uh, Brian James Fox, the drummer in the band, and their expectations and their dreams. A little bit about the recording of the album as well. So, Ken, I guess back in the day, 86... I remember the ads in the news, uh, in the music press for White Tiger, and I didn't touch it. (laughs) I didn't get it until the 90s. Um, What about you? I can't can't remember for sure, but I I think I might. I don't know if I got it. I think my friend might have gotten it, and then I listened to his, and then I thought, eh, you know, (laughs) it it was okay. Um, and I, I didn't, you know, didn't go, you know, get into it and buy it. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of surprising that I didn't, didn't have it or I didn't, you know, or still don't have it right now. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'm pretty sure my friend got it and we listened to it and I was like, oh, okay, it's okay. And, and I just didn't go out and get it. Yeah, when I when I did finally hear it, I I just you know not my 
not my deal at all. I thought it was complete garbage. Just utter garbage. I didn't think the songs were good. I didn't think the performance was good. Didn't think the there's a lot better was out good. there. I thought time, I thought so. the demos Mark did with uh, Peter Chris were way better. I was into that stuff much right. more. Um, even some of the histrionic guitar type type stuff. But you know that thing was right up there with uh, Cacophony. It was just another atonal mm. mess of too many notes in too many different too places many for no reason whatsoever. Mark White Tiger. Uh, honestly, I've never heard the album. Uh, the the thing is, I I realized that it was you know Mark St. John later when I was in my one band that I started at Reckon with One Band. My other guy who was in the band, the guitar player Ted, at the time, he was the big Kiss fan then. He was the one who reignited my love of Kiss because you know when I went into his house the first time he had these huge posters of Kiss stuff in his house like he had like the unmasked poster he had it like actually plaqued and on his wall and he had all kinds of stuff like his whole house I mean I, I can't believe that his wife allowed him to do this like his whole house it wasn't like a room like the whole house had Kiss stuff Ace Freely pictures this and that in the bathroom all kinds of stuff and uh, I think he might have had it the White Tiger album, but and I, and I'm trying to remember. I, I'm pretty sure that I remember a time when I probably mentioned it to him because, like you mentioned, there I remember seeing ads for it in like Guitar Magazine and Circus and some of these other magazines, and I I remember mentioning it to him because I didn't mind Asylum when Asylum Animalize when it came out, and I thought that you know his guitar playing was pretty cool when it came out, so I remember mentioning it to him. And if I remember correctly, he said that he he might have had it, but he wasn't too impressed with it. Uh, but I didn't. I've never heard it myself. I mean, I am curious to hear it, if only just so that I could say I've actually heard it. But I haven't heard it yet. And I'm also curious to hear the stuff that he did with Peter Chris because I remember reading about that. And I think it was in Peter's book. Didn't he mention something about that in his book? I think. Uh, but yeah, I've never heard any of this stuff that he's done outside of Kiss. Yeah, that, that stuff with Peter, you know, is I I dig Peter Chris. You know, I, I don't hide yeah. that I drink green Kool-Aid, but, you know, I mm. like the stuff he did in the mid 80s with mm. uh, the Alliance and the Desperate Men or um, Henry's Chris Alliance <clears throat> or vice versa, whichever way it was. I mean, there's eight songs from that period and there's a couple, you know, Baby Hold On, really cool tune. I think we did a Peter Chris episode five years ago where we played a lot of that stuff and and it, it was really cool. Then you get into the late 80s and you get Tree or whatever it was called or whether that's a made up name or, or what, doesn't matter. But he definitely worked with Mark and then he, you know, splintered off into Chris and you know kept some of the songs and wrote new ones with phil narrow um the canadian songwriter yeah um Rest you know and then he goes and you know so there there's a lot of really interesting peter chris material from the early 90s before chris really got going and that was one of the things that was shared just before christmas was uh the, the first ever public Chris show from the Exposure Club in 1991 where you can hear some of that early material but you know Peter had some anthems wait for the minute to rock and roll so all of that is way better than White Tiger mm -hmm. but then again White Tiger for me um, 
I had a similar reaction to Vinnie Vincent Invasion. I got that through Columbia House in 86, and that went in the trash heap. So <laughs> um, I, wow. I was like, what is this crap? You know, I did not care for it at all at that point. Um, you know, and still, there are, there are songs on that album, my favorite being Invasion, which are more on the melodic side. Which is why, you know, I was poking mm-hmm. Chris uh, Sinzak on the Decibel Geek live thing on Christmas Eve, you know, that I prefer all systems go because it's more melodic. And that's just, just where I am musically, I guess, or was at that point. All right. Anyone else got another topic? Yes, I do. <clears throat> go. I actually, uh, I actually thought this was an interesting uh, topic. And again, it was from our good buddy, the Kissianic Entity. Um, he put a post up saying, how do you introduce new people to KISS? Now, this one kind of resonated with me because mm. I've actually done this a few times. Uh, good good little example of that is my younger nephews. Um, when they started coming around the house, like when they were like in a more uh, impressionable age, like when they were like five to, let's say, eight years old, uh, and I'm talking about my older sister's kids because she has three boys. And they used to come over a lot and visit. And uh, I thought that the best way to introduce them to Kiss was I showed them the Scooby-Doo uh, stuff with Kiss. And they loved it because they were big on Scooby-Doo then. And then they were kind of looking at me and going, Uncle Mark, who are these who are these weird characters? I was telling them, that's Kiss. And I showed them like the cassettes and CDs and stuff. And they they were fascinated by it. And they always kind of liked it when they did like their big special powers and stuff like that. So they immediately fell onto the whole superhero end of it from Kiss. And and it worked because years later, the middle nephew became a bass player. And one of his earliest influences he'll always mention is, I love Kiss and my uncle introduced me to Kiss and stuff like that. So it worked, you know. Uh, the other guys, the other boys, they, they didn't end up being musicians, but they still love Kiss too to this day. So uh, I think that introducing youngsters through Scooby-Doo is a brilliant way to get them into it. Uh, if there, if I introduce people that are musicians that I know, it depends on the kind of music they like. Like, for example, Ken sometimes frequents this uh, live streams I do on Fridays. There, yeah. right? The, that uh, one with Patrick, the vinyl archivist, he calls himself. And uh, he's he likes Kiss, but he's not very familiar with Kiss. Uh, as far as what they play. So I'll always get him to spin something. Cause he has the whole thing on vinyl. He has every record, even though he doesn't know much of them, but he's an archivist. So he just archives all of everything. Mm-hmm. So I'll always get him to play like unholy, or I'll get him to play something off of revenge because he likes that kind of good production end of stuff. You know, he's an archivist, you know, so he wants the best quality sounding stuff. So I'll always get him to play that stuff and it's starting to work. He's like, you know, he he's, he told me before that he spun Revenge a couple times on his own now, and stuff like that. And he's starting to explore some of the back catalog a bit more. Mm-hmm. So, and and then of course, when I go over to like my sister's place now, uh, her boyfriend is a drummer, and he's totally from that middle period. You know, like the you know Bad Company, and he loves all that kind of stuff. So the best thing that I did to get him into it, even though he was into Kiss, sort of was spin stuff like rock and roll over and stuff like that. So I, I think it depends who you're trying to get into the band, but I think those approaches worked well for me. Nice. Ken, what about you? 
Yeah, I mean, I agree that um, uh, the few times <laughs> that I've tried to get someone into Kiss, um, uh, I'd either make a, uh, it could be even a tape, um, cassette tape back in the day, uh, songs that I thought they might like, you know, based on, yeah, what they listen to, right? Uh, what you're talking about. And and uh, also, I, I, I know I've done CD. Um, I think uh, before the reunion tour, uh, my one of my my sister went with me to the show at San Jose, um, and she wasn't you know, she know Kiss she know it's like the Fairweather type, you know people that don't they've heard Rock and Roll all night and maybe a couple more, uh, so I made her a, a, a on that one I made her a number of uh, songs on the CD that were more likely that they were going to play. Mm. So, so oh, okay. that I figured they, they might play live. So, and, and some other ones, um, to, you know, get her used to it, but, the, um, and, uh, be familiar. So when she's at the concert, she'll recognize yeah. some of the songs. So, uh, I think that that worked pretty well for her, uh, from what I remember. Um, but, Otherwise, um, you know, one of my 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 buddy who became a pretty big Kiss fan back in the seventies, he wasn't listening to Kiss, and I I got him into Kiss, totally got him into Kiss, <laughs> and he was listening to Sticks at the time. I think he was I was his favorite thing. I said mm-hmm. Sticks, you know, I, I get rid of that. those. That's no good. You got to listen to you know the Kiss, and I, I started playing you know i probably played double platinum and, and stuff like that for him you know you know kind of that best selection of materials from the album so yeah that, that's again it's it is depending on what they're listening to and and uh who they are like the scooby-doo thing is great for for the kids um i definitely i think oh, i did i did give us a gift of scooby-doo to uh you know some uh my nephew's you know family or whatever uh his kids so they could you know hey you see if they like it you know they might like you know kiss or it might rub off or something so um Mm. yeah things like that never tried to introduce anyone to kiss i I try not to meet people so can't see why i want to try and persuade them to listen to something (laughs) i don't feel the need to justify myself to anyone perfectly honest Yeah, I mean, I don't purposely go out and push Kiss. You know, if someone wants to ask me about it and they say, oh, yeah, I don't know, you know, what they got. And I said, well, would you like to hear some stuff or whatever? And and then if they say, yeah, I'll I'll give it, you know, I'll say, okay, I'll I'll put something together for you. You know, what's funny, though, I find is that 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 seems to be something that's very common amongst people in a certain age bracket like i know that between the ages of like say 15 and 18 i know that even to this day i know lots of guys do that where they're like no man you don't want to listen to that you want to listen to this you know and that's always like (laughs) that kind of period of when you you try to influence each other when you're the most highly impressionable i think once you're older you know you're kind of set what you like and stuff like that and it's very rare i think that somebody will come to you in, in your 40s and say hey is there something that you have that I might like, you know what I mean? But, you know, that's usually the the age of where I think your musical tastes are molded the most, I think, 
I mean, sure, it changes over time, but I think some of your earliest stuff is probably embedded in you between the ages of 15 and 20, I'd say. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, you know, a huge Neil Sedaka fan to this day, so I was into that way, way back. So that's just one of the things that have has stuck with me. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm still in love with the four albums that I basically had growing up, which was Rubber Soul, Sgt. Pepper's, um, <laughs> Shave Fish, and Imagine. Oh, Shave Fish, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, yeah. I think we yeah. had the red and blue album as well. So, you know, those, oh, yeah, the, the those were basically right. yeah. my rock, you know, hey. beginnings, those four hey. albums. So I, I've yeah. never felt the need to, you know, try and introduce. I've always, you know, that's if I hear sense. something that's really cool and I get excited about, yeah. then, you know, if an opportunity arises, just like uh, my buddy Jonathan get into his car and he's playing Merciful Fate, The Oath, you know, mm-hmm. and I've not heard that because I was never into that. And I'm like, what the hell is like, that? what's that? That's really cool. And recently introduced me to a band called Satan, um, a new wave of British heavy metal Satan. band. Really, really good stuff. <laughs> you know, great music. And, you know, Mondo Drag, another introduction. Um, they're a Bay Area band, kind of uh, the power Sabbath riffy keyboards. Oh, yeah. Uh, heavy, you know, so and the watchers, another one for that. But that's how people got into music back in the day. You'd be uh, like, I was in the back of uh, someone's car in the late 70s, and the guy is blaring this music. I'm like, what the heck is this? You know, it's like a <laughs> hey, screeching, put that eight track tape in, and it was, it was, uh, it was uh, 2112. I was mm-hmm. listening, to, you know, the Temples of Syrinx, you know, uh, you know, and Getty Lee. I was like, that was the first time ever hearing Getty Lee, and if you hear him on that one, it's like, whoa, what the, you know, yeah. what's going on? And uh, but it was great, and I immediately became, you know, kind of a, a fan, and went out and and you know looked for that album, and then, and so on. The rest is history of that. But uh, yeah, so stuff like that happens. Yeah, and you know, like Mark, I have a older sister who's not that much older than me. She's eighteen months older, and she got mm-hmm. a lot of tunes. I mean, she's the one who bought Motley Crue, "Too Fast for Love." She bought uh, who else has she introduced me to? Oh, some of the good English stuff: Balam and the Angel," "Dogs Demore," um, "The Cult," for that matter. Um, mm-hmm. I have an aunt who's just a little bit older as well, so. And she got mm-hmm. introduced to a, a lot of the music that I still listen to mm-hmm. through those connections. She was, um, you know, kind of big on, uh, well, from Donny Osmond to Glam. Oh, Donny. You know, so oh, the, wow. that's yeah, where yeah. The, the Slade and all that came in. So, uh, yeah. again, sharing something because of enthusiasm is a little bit different than being a Jehovah Witness of music and um, <laughs> go going and knocking on people's doors. Hello? <clears throat> I'd like to talk to you about the music of Kiss. Here, play Scooby Doo. Uh, you know? <laughs> or, or here's MTV Unplugged. It's, it's G rated. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. It's completely innocent and he spits blood too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's see. I think I've got one more topic before time's up, and that's uh, Stav Karas or Karas did Destroyer potentially potentially destroy? Mm. <laughs> you shouldn't really ask Mark that, but uh, he's, you know, he's, he's going to say yes. Is there anyone here who think? thinks the symphonic uh, creative choices as well as the songs like Beth potentially hurt Kiss in the long term while being extremely beneficial in the short term. So let's throw Mark 
to the Wolves. What do you think, Mark? Well, I think people know my opinion about this record. I've always said from the beginning that I think that this record is absolutely hideous. I, I think that as far as if you, if you were to listen to Kiss from the beginning, I, I, I always kind of try to envision it from the perspective of a person like my sister who started the album, started listening to them from the very beginning and went through each record, got alive, was totally floored by it. All her friends were blasting it in the apartment buildings where we lived. And then, you know, out comes this record. And I remember her telling me, because I was, I was really young when that came out officially. But even then, even back then, the reaction to that record in the short term, like right away, was not one of being impressed. People were like, what the hell is this? You know, because they were so used to the raw, rambunctious, you know, loud kiss you know, the mean, you know, kind of band, you know, the, the, the dangerous band. And then they kind of got neutered a bit and they got kind of, you know, more polished. And, you know, there's pianos going on now and there's ballads and stuff like that. And this is not the kiss that people were used to. And for me, that was the first thing that immediately I did not like. I remember the first time I heard Detroit Rock City mm-hmm. from, the, from the album. Now, the, now, keep in mind, this is from the record. That I'm talking about. When I heard that piano underneath all the guitars, I was like, what is this? This is piano. Like, I was even looking at the credits. Do they have like a guest piano player on this whole record or what? You know, and I I didn't like it. I didn't like the way they kind of softened up the sound. You know, it it just was not what I was expecting from Kiss. And when, you know, Rock and Roll Over came into my frame of you know reference there later i was very happy and that that to me was i thought thought that's what they should have did after alive you know but now in the long term if you think about it sure destroyer is the record that they keep going back to they keep referring to it as their masterpiece and they play a lot a lot of the songs off of it live still but it's just to me i think it was very risky that they did it did it help them you know what? I mean, they said it themselves in their book. If Beth had not have caught and sold the record as much as it did, who knows what would have happened with Kiss? You know, because they were even saying it themselves that they thought that it was teetering on the brink of not doing so good. They kind of stalled at 700,000 or something like that. And then it was Beth that pushed it over the edge, right? <clears throat> but I don't know. I, I, there was just something about that whole sound of it that I didn't like. And But keep in mind... I like Bob Ezrin for what he's done with with uh, Pink Floyd. I like what he's done with Alice Cooper, but I think that style of production works better for that type of band and music. I just don't think his touch is what I like with a band like Kiss. Interesting point. I mean, you say that it stalled, but I think that trade ad is, what, 892000 At that point, they didn't have any gold albums whatsoever uh, on the studio side. Only Alive had gone gold. So they had automatically followed up a, you know, gold studio album or platinum because it, it wasn't, mm-hmm. didn't qualify for recertification at that point. It had already sold a million. Um, they'd followed that up with a similarly successful studio album before Beth was ever released. Obviously, Beth, you know, is, is that song that transformed them from stars into superstars. Mm. Sounds so catchy. Um, you know, and did, but it changed the dynamic that you then had a song that only had one member of Kiss on it. 
and that was the one song that saved Kiss. So it, it does mm-hmm. in, insert a completely different dynamic that draws them away from being a band unit. All for one, all for one. You know, mm-hmm. we play our instruments mm-hmm. and we fail together and we succeed together. And no, we don't. Peter Chris can sing a hit. Uh, you know, yeah. that the other guys may consider the least of the members because he doesn't bring many songs in that end up on albums. Whether or not he was writing is a whole different matter. Nothing that that he may have been involved in creatively to that point um, on his own ended up on a Kiss album until Beth. So. Yeah. It, so many dynamics are shifting even before you talk about symphonies and accordions or calliopes, pardon me, mm-hmm. and all the accoutrements of art being overlaid to the black leather Gotham gods. You know, they are, they are taken from something street theater into that superhero. So there are so many transformations going on at once, but I can't put myself back there because I wasn't there. So I don't feel I'm qualified to answer that question because I'm doing everything in hindsight after an abundance of information has been spoiled upon us over the the decades since the album came out. For the original fans who became a fan and made alive that platinum or double platinum seller that it was, uh, I, I can't project into their heads whether it destroyed or not, mm-hmm. because that's what-ifism. And it, it's really kind of silly to go there. But I think be, looking at the dynamics that change that I've just mentioned, um, it's a right pickle those boys were in. Ken? Yeah. Yeah. I, and even I wasn't there yet. Um, uh, I think I just missed out on it. Um, and because, the, like you said, the live came out and I think – they were mostly, you know, the people that the kids that bought that were, you know, teenagers or teenage to late teen, maybe. Um, and then when they they thought, OK, well, they got a new album out and they're going to buy it. And then they hear this, you know, slick production uh, and toned down, you know, guitars, uh, not as raunchy or anything as what, what was on the live. They kind of like, whoa, you know, this is what the heck are they doing, you know, kind of thing, um, reaction. I think that's what a lot of it was, and that's one of the reasons I think they got some feedback there. And I think KISS themselves were kind of listening back to it themselves, was like, oh, we may have, you know. <laughs> and after the song, you know, well, they thought, oh, this maybe we went a little bit too too far. And, yeah. then, and then with the first, you know, like, shout it out loud, you know, Detroit City not really – becoming hits not really hitting um and then fortunately like you said you know destroy you know uh, not destroy but uh beth came out and kind of saved it but when beth came out you had also had paul lind special that came out and i think that drew in a lot of younger fans even younger mm-hmm. fans and and kids um younger kids and not tj but even you know under you know 10 and under um and that drew some more in that way and then it, yeah like you said uh Julian, the, the dynamics were kind of all over the place at the time and, and changing um and they you know they had that knee-jerk reaction and that like we get, need to get back to what we our meat and potatoes stuff you know the the rock and roll raunchy rock and roll stuff which 
it was good. Uh, and if Destroyer didn't have Beth that made a hit, I think they still would have had a hit with calling Dr. Love or a hard luck woman or around the same. Um, but oh, I think, they, I don't think, I don't think they would have sold as Beth. many. I don't think they would have mm-hmm. sold as many records, rock and roll over records without destroyer, for instance, you know, what was the question? That's a good point. Would they have gotten on Paul Lind without Beth? Yeah. I think they would have. Well, that's a good question. Yeah. Uh, How did they get on Paul Lind? What was the reason they got on Paul Lind? Was it Beth or was it, you know, Bill, Bill O'Coin going out there and and pushing them and trying to get them on on the show? I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer to to that is, or if, if someone knows it. Do you know that? I don't know. <laughs> I know nothing. Yeah, yeah. So it, it'd be interesting. Uh, we don't have oh. Bill to tell us right now. And, and it's also interesting because you mentioned how you said the, the even the band's reaction to it was kind of they were nervous about it because there was that interview I remember hearing where they did that interview with them in the hotel. I remember in that hotel room and they were, I think Gene was on the bed or underneath the covers or something like that. There was some ridiculous interview. And they were mentioning there at that time that they were going to be working with Eddie Kramer again on their next record. That was during that time period, right? And so no ballads. Kind of, yeah, yeah. yeah no ballads, no pianos. Yeah, they were very, yeah. they were doing damage control already at that time, right? They were worried about it. Yeah, yeah they, they were doubting themselves from the moment it was mixed because of the Jack Douglas thing. You know, uh, we've got to get someone to remix this. You know, well, <laughs> as everyone found out later, there was no one doing what Bob had done. You know, so it would have been a really interesting thing had they not gone forward with it. But I think they were so far down the rabbit hole that they had no choice but to go through with release. I mean, that's the, the really fascinating part about history. The whole story yeah. of Kiss of these little things that happened because they also broke the other cardinal rule to a certain extent with replacing Ace on those songs, even if it was Bob's decision mm-hmm. to do so because right. the stuff needed to get done or whatever. It doesn't matter the reasons. All of a sudden, they are, you know, the, the four the four who are not one and never were one um <laughs> one in name only yeah well you know real quick that mark said about uh, the sound you know um i do remember you know i had the live two first and then i started doing the back catalog and other stuff and when i went back and i was used to hearing detroit rock city for the first time on the live two and then going back to Destroyer, when I played that, I thought, whoa, this just sounds way toned down. <laughs> you know? yeah. it, it was a shock. It was a shock the first time I heard that. Uh, I, I didn't particularly care for it at the beginning either. So I could see how some of those fans that were listening to it live were expecting you know, yeah. a certain kind of sound. That's. Uh, I, I want to end on this point because it's a question. And, and I guess a wish. I would love Bob Ezrin to do an interview where he went track by track through Rock and Roll Over and Love Gun and tell us which of the songs released on those albums he would have allowed to have made those albums where he behind the console. <laughs> You know, not not to talk about the production or his evaluation of what Eddie Kramer mm-hmm. did, because I, I, you don't do that to producer versus producer. Uh, that, that would just be rude. Where he can be, you know, talk about the songs. Would he have allowed Christine 16 to have that, you know, kind middle, of cheap, cheap middle? Yeah. 
you know, or would he have had said, oh, that's a great device, a great element, but I would have done it this way. You know, what would Bob, you know, what would have Bob brought to that material if that was what was presented to him? And that's the kind of question that we we could theoretically ask. Uh, Not me, obviously, but uh, it'd be really Mm -hmm. interesting to hear that sort of answer. So that's a bunch of topics from the board, a whole bunch of randomness just as we approach this new year. Um, we look, we've already got our first show of the year planned. So, and uh, maybe a, another look at rock and roll episode. Uh, yes. Not on Wasp for the first one of the year. Something a little bit more interesting. <laughs> wasp. Um, well, Wasp is very niche in the in the era that we're now into. We're so far past Crimson <laughs> Idol uh, that you got to be pretty hardcore to still be following the band and our episodes. So, um, chime in with your thoughts on these topics today. Leave us a message. We do want to do an episode where we read everyone's comments from the YouTube page, pick some gems to respond to. And of course, in the new year, we will do some live episodes as well. And hopefully we'll get some participants to join us and uh, talk about your histories or maybe gorillas, you know, take issue with uh, Mark's opinion or (laughs) or my opinion. You know, it's, it's all fair game on a conversation. It's always nice to have that conversation with new faces voices and opinions so for now that is it for 2021 um let's kick down that door to 2022 and hope the fuck it's a lot better than this year you know we didn't quite get it this year what we were hoping for you know i'm not going to say how much worse can it get knock on wood but hopefully it will be a better year for everyone and uh for your families and loved one as well so for now from mark from ken Lonnie, Andrew, Alex, Daniel, every, everyone who's been part of the show, thank you all for joining us this year, and we will see you in 2022. Bye for now. Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.